do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thomas Chalmers was born in 1780 in the small fishing and trading village of Insterer. His faithful Scots Presbyterian parents lovingly raised Thomas and his eight brothers and five sisters in a home filled with good books, beautiful music, hard work, and practical faith. From an early age, it was evident that Chalmers was an exceedingly gifted child, enrolled in the local school at age three and at the University of St. Andrews at the age of 12. He hoped to eventually become a professor at the university, and in 1795, he entered the Divinity School in order to prepare for a parallel career in the ministry. By 1799, he was ordained, and shortly afterward, two opportunities simultaneously presented themselves. He was offered the pastorate of the rural parish of Kilmeny, and he was offered a position on the permanent faculty at the university teaching mathematics and science. Since Kilmeny was not far from St. Andrews, he accepted both offers. An energetic orator, he gained quick renown for his elegant sermons, and his courses were among the most popular offerings at the university. Thomas Chalmers was clearly a rising star, and his fame began to spread far and wide. There was just one problem. He was not yet converted. His was the cold and formal religion of the day, legalistic and moralistic. As he would later testify, his was the religion of do this and live, and not of belief on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But in 1809, he was struck by a series of unsettling bereavements. An older brother and a sister were both stricken with tuberculosis. During a long period of suffering, Chalmers nursed them at their bedside. The strength of their faith, their understanding of grace, and their love for Christ utterly undid him, And shortly after their deaths, Chalmers was himself stricken by illness. He was convinced that he too would die, and in the depths of despair, he cried out to God. He would never be the same. Humbled by the incongruity of his former life, he declared, What are the objects of mathematical science? magnitude and the proportions of magnitude, but in the foolishness of my youth I had forgotten the two chief magnitudes. I thought not of the littleness of time, and I recklessly thought not of the greatness of eternity. 
Prior to this transformation, Chalmers had been in the habit of deserting his parish during the week to teach at the university, but now he devoted himself full-time to the people of his church. He had a new appetite for the scriptures, and as a result, his preaching came alive with a remarkable passion and vibrancy. He took seriously the pastoral tasks of discipling and catechizing the flock entrusted to his care. Many years later, his biographer and son-in-law would note that it was at this time that Thomas Chalmers first came to know the power and the preciousness of the sacred volume. He realized that he needed to study the Bible as he had never studied it before. As he resolved in his journal, I would learn of thy holy oracles. I would take the sayings of the Bible simply and purely as they are and exercise myself on the trueness of these sayings. It was at this time that he began to devise his Keystones plan. On September the 29th, 1812, he wrote in his journal, I finished this day my perusal of the New Testament by daily chapters in which my object was to commit striking passages to memory. I mean to begin its perusal anew in which this object shall be revised, and the object of fixing upon one sentiment of the chapter for habitual and recurring contemplation through the day shall be added to the former. Essentially, after carefully studying a chapter of the Bible, he attempted to identify one verse from that chapter, a verse that summarized the argument of that portion of Scripture. These key verses he would then commit to memory, hiding God's Word in his heart. His assumption was that if he could master just six verses, he would have internalized the flow of the argument of, say, Ephesians, the whole arc of its theology. Likewise, in just six verses, he would have the outline of Galatians. In just 16 verses, he would have a grasp of the theological structure of Romans. Over the course of the next 35 years, Chalmers would refine and revise the list of these keystone verses for every book in the New Testament, as well as several books in the Old Testament, including the Psalms the promises of God, the riches of the scriptures, and the wonder of theology all came alive to him, and he was transformed. And in short order, so was the little congregation as he discipled the beloved flock of Kilmeny, using the same method. Word spread. Crowds began to flock to the Fifeshire countryside to hear Chalmers preach and to witness the evangelistic and missional wonder of the revived parish. An age-old approach to Bible study, scripture memory, and reformational discipleship was bearing extraordinary fruit. His fame spread throughout Scotland and soon to the entire English-speaking world. 
Chalmers would eventually become the undisputed leader of a vibrant evangelical resurgence. In the coming years, he would serve as a professor and a publisher. He would establish schools and missions organizations and Bible societies. He would write books on a myriad of subjects from economics and social policy to systematic theology and strategic missional extension. He would lead an unprecedented church planting movement. And he would mentor an entire generation of theologians, pastors, educators, missionaries, writers, thinkers, scientists, politicians, and reformers. And he walked through the scriptures with his students, and he always used the keystones as the foundation for discipleship and training. He believed that in the same way that he had been transformed and stirred to an extraordinary fruitfulness in this simple process of studying and memorizing God's Word, others could be, would be too. He who truly accepts Christ as the alone foundation of his meritorious acceptance before God, he wrote, is stimulated by the circumstances of his new condition to breathe holy purposes and to abound in holy performances. He has created a new unto good works. He has made the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Indeed, he said, the gospel is no mere system of inert and unproductive orthodoxy. This is because it is the office of the Holy Spirit to sanctify men. And he asserted, he who does so does so largely through the tangible intermediation and intermedium of the word. The prophet Jeremiah declared, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Jeremiah spoke directly into the experience of Chalmers. He had simply begun to glean insights from the old paths of the devotional traditions of Christendom and combined them with the good way of scriptural reformers of the Protestant Reformation. The results were immediate and profound. Over the course of his life, the spiritual landscape of Scotland was transformed. What God's Word, by the power of God's Spirit, produced in Thomas Chalmers, it can surely produce in us. As Chalmers declared, act up to the light that you have gotten by reading earnestly and praying opportunely and striving laboriously, and to you more will be given. That is both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, including information about the Keystones, go to georgegrant.net.